And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we are going to get totally away from that today. You know, it's, it's fun when I'm able to, to do this, to have a guest on. He does use social media, but not a lot for what he does. But what he does is so cool. And that was why I wanted to have him on. So please join me in welcoming Jeff Sosamon. Good morning. Good morning. Well, before we we go any further, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. Jeff currently works for the University of Missouri News Bureau. And uh, Mizzou is based in Columbia, Missouri. And he... Uh, is responsible for public relations duties for the News Bureau. We'll ask a little bit more about that, obviously, later. But his official title is Senior Research News Strategist. Wow, that just that sounds very cool, and I love to, to hear more about that. But Jeff is responsible for finding newsworthy items by meeting with faculty and administrators, writing and editing press releases, targeting media in appropriate ways, and establishing media contacts. So, again, Jeff, welcome. Thank you. Great, great. Well, first of all, for people who aren't familiar, tell people a little bit about the University of Missouri. The University of Missouri is the first land-grant university west of the Mississippi. It was established um, under Thomas Jefferson's um, presidency. Um, it is actually mimicked, the, the quad is actually mimicked on the University of Virginia. So we have a rich history of um, education, the land-grant extension mission to take education out into all the counties of Missouri, um, and we have a really strong research focus. Um, that's where I come in. I actually um, help elevate the prestige of the university by getting national attention to the research that's being conducted at the university. Um, I actually work with um, the College of Engineering, the College of Arts and Science, um, the Cardiovascular Research Center, and the Life Sciences Center. And basically what I do is when researchers publish peer-reviewed research, I go and interview them and then create press releases that we issue to a national audience. Um, wow. A lot of those are targeted to national science writers who mm -hmm. um, are interested in helping us promote that work. Um, and then I try to get those folks to actually call and interview our researchers so that they can actually get more in-depth with the research that we're producing. Great. Well, how many students and, and faculty do you have there at the main campus? We have 35, almost 36,000 students um, and about 2,500 faculty. Great. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that people tend to forget about a university or they don't even really know what happens is research. You know, now here in, in Georgia, we have, we have, of course, Georgia Tech, um, and they do a lot of research there. But I think people do tend to forget that universities do research. So 
you know, how many projects, what departments do research? I mean, you mentioned the ones that you work with. Does every department do research or is it more kind of a science-based type of, of department before they're going to do research? Well, like I said, um, we have um, several um, colleges at the university um, mm -hmm. that are focused on human environmental sciences, life sciences, um, even into the humanities. Um, I've done a couple of press releases for English professors who are studying the origins of language like wow. in Africa, um, mm -hmm. we have, um, let's see, a school of law that is actually doing research um, in, um, you know, civil liberties um, mm -hmm. issues. We have a school of medicine, obviously, that, are, you know, they're doing more healthcare related stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then the College of Agriculture, um, which is, you know, more plant based research right. that actually gets filtered out. Um, you know, those advancements get filtered out to um, to farmers and producers and that kind of thing, too. So um, it's all over. I mean, just across the board. Wow. Well, and, and I'm I'm an old school PR PR person and you're an old school PR person, too. You know, I would imagine, though, and, and that's part of why this really interested me to talk to you. I am guessing that your media database is huge um, because of all of the different industries and fields of expertise and, and things like that you, that you're in. So for people who aren't all that familiar, first of all, let's kind of take a little step back. What the heck, from your perspective, you know, it, it's always funny when I ask people to define something. To you, what is public relations? Public relations to me is um, developing those relationships with people that can help you tell your story. Um, okay. And the, the way that we, we go about that, we actually have four writers who have specific beats um, mm -hmm. who cover different colleges and different areas of the university. And they develop those relationships with their professors, with the departments, with the department chairs. And then we help them tell their story to a national audience. And by, by that, I mean, we um, we actually develop those relationships with the media as well. Um, and you said I do it a little old school. We we all do it a little old school. Um, mm -hmm. We find that, you know, actually picking up the phone and calling people and pitching a story is is a lot more effective for us than tweeting it out or, you know, that sort of passive kind mm -hmm. of way. It's a more active engagement with right. the people who can actually help you. Right. Well, and your stories are so very specific that I would imagine, you know, that the relationships you develop with the media are very good because, you know, if, uh, say, for example, I used to uh, do public relations for the American Cancer Society. Sure. So, you know, in a lot of ways, we had pretty general stories that we would just pitch to the news desk. You know, clearly we had health related stories then we had fundraising and, and things like that. But, you know, and, and we did have those relationships, but we would pitch them to anybody and everybody. But yours are so specific that, that that's where it really, I'm sure, does help to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Bob, or hey, Sue, you know, I've got this great story that I want to talk to you about. Yeah, it's, um, we do try to take the, the research and actually make it relevant to okay. a national audience as well. Mm -hmm. So the, the stories that we pick, the, um, the 
publications that we choose to highlight are ones that we have to say, you know, what's in it for John Q. Public? You know, mm -hmm. we have to say, all right, we, we, want, we understand what your research is, but we want to make it relevant to somebody who's reading the local paper. Okay. So we try to find that hook and find that angle that'll help it go a little wider rather than just a specific, this is a mechanical engineering story and only mechanical engineers are going to like it, you know? Mm -hmm. So we try to, we try to find that hook and, and, and that becomes the lead of the, the press release for us. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's exactly sometimes the challenge that you have to face. You know, I know, we, for example, when I was with the American Cancer Society or when we had other PR clients, sometimes it was hard for them to grasp what the general public wanted to hear about something, you know, so sure. it might be, you know, and, and so do you find that working with the professors and, and the research fellows and people like that, is it very much an education process that you have to kind of walk them through to say, okay, oh. this is a great thing you've done, but. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, part of a, part of our interview process is to go ahead and get the particulars of the story and make sure that I'm telling it in the right manner, but it's also to help them find those two or three main key points that they want to get out there should the reporter call them and ask for more information. So it becomes, um, it becomes a media training kind of um, meeting as well. Okay. Um, and we'll go back and forth and, and help them do that. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good learning experience for, for us because we learn how to tell that story too. Mm -hmm. Um you can imagine, I mean, you've done like all these press releases with different research and that kind of thing. You become a hit at parties because you can work <laughs> it into any conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's exactly what we do. We figure if we can tell the story to our friends over dinner, then we've got it. We know exactly how to pitch the story. Oh, okay. I love that. And and so my guess is then that you, you almost have a two-pronged approach. You've got, say, your story about um, a new uh, development with a seed, you know, talking about the agriculture yeah, people. Sure. So there's the very specific agriculture publications, and they really want to know the, the, the exact details. But then you've got the general public who wants to know, you know, this is going to revolutionize you know, how we eat or, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So to me, that's very interesting. To um, Just to sort of add on to your, um, your story there. Yeah, we do that all the time. We, um, mm -hmm. we if, if it's some sort of an advancement in how we grow seeds and that's going to cause, uh, you know, them to grow faster or more efficiently, then we try to bring that in and say, well, this is going to help people eat in Africa, right. you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. we, we try to, yeah, we try to ramp it up and, and make it relevant to the, the readership. Mm -hmm. Now, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm guessing and kind of assuming that in many cases there are grants and, you know, and, and outside funds that have been involved in this process with the research. Sure. Does that sometimes make it a little bit more tricky or, you know, when you're having to, to pitch the stories? Because, I mean, obviously you want to make sure that the research funding continues. Sure. So, you know, it's not just tooting your horn to make sure that they get more funding, but making sure that it's done appropriately. Well, and, and Congress actually has, has um, legislated that we have to do that. Um, 
back mm. in a couple of years ago, um, any National Science Foundation funding, NSF uh-huh. funding grants that are, you know, I mean, when you get, when you're talking federal funding, you're talking like six figures automatically. Right, right. Um, so what Congress stated was, is that if we're going to give you the money, then you have to publicize that to the community mm-hmm. and to the public at large so that right. they will know how we're spending their money. Mm-hmm. So part of our job is to help the researchers actually explain what they're doing and get it out in creative ways. Um, we have some researchers who are, for instance, um, going out into the public K through 12 schools and oh. presenting what they've done or bringing the, the school children to the lab and, you know, putting on goggles and looking through microscopes and all of mm-hmm. that just so that they can help get the word out about what they're doing. And it's our role to make sure that there's a camera there, there's, you know, the media's there, um, it gets in the local papers, that kind of thing, too. So we become part of that process of telling the story about funding. Mm-hmm. Well, and and obviously what's important is then that the funding continues because, you know, in a lot of cases it's, you know, an initial grant or, you know, something like that. And so you want to make sure that, you know, you you have done what's appropriate so that then they can get more funding. And that becomes part of that first pitch that we make Mm -hmm. to a researcher who may not have gone through the the public um, relations part of their work before. Mm -hmm. We, we, I mean, I will sit down and flat out tell them that the – the more that you get it out there, mm-hmm. the the and you get your name out there, the better you are um, at picking up funding down the road. Right. Yeah. Well, and and for a lot of them, they don't have just one grant; they have multiple sure. grants, and so I'm sure. sure that probably helps. Is you know, one grant might only cover a portion of the expenses, and so they need to get more than one grant in in order to have everything fully funded. And getting the word out there leverages future funding too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, now, one of the challenges that I always faced when I was doing PR was that the the CEOs or, you know, whoever it was that I was dealing with didn't always understand the benefits of PR. And it sounds like, you know, you, you had to do a lot of the same thing. You have to educate them on why it's important. Exactly. We do. Um and again, that's part of that initial interview process. Um, if they've not worked with us before, then we we absolutely tell them what the benefit of working with us is going to be for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the things that that we always did find a challenge was that they didn't think it was important. So I'm sure that's why you do so much tracking of the stories um, you know and 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 it's sometimes it, it's not it, it's definitely not a quantity versus quality thing because say getting on 60 minutes right. <laughs> is something that you know or the the front page of the wall street journal or you know forbes or, or something like that you know it, the same thing you know if you have 20 local stories you know it's it's it all kind of merges together but do you find it, it's funny you know one of the things that Almost always, when I would start to work with a new client, they would say, get me on Oprah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and almost none of them had Oprah-worthy material. So do you spend a lot of time educating the folks that you work with on what expectations they should have? Yeah, I think so. Um, if, if 
if I feel that the story is not going to um, be as accessible to the general public as maybe, you know, something about critters or caterpillars or that kind of thing, then I'll let them know that up front, that mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to try and get this and push this out nationally. Um, it's really good work. We're really proud of what you're doing. We're going to try to get it out there. But mm-hmm. I mean, after after you've done it a little while, you can sort of tell which ones are going to go better right. than the others. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't, you know, give anybody false expectations mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, yeah. So you do have to sort of go through that whole education process, too, um, where you say, your work is relevant. It might be a little bit too sciencey. It might be a little bit too basic research. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, if it is basic, then what I want to do is qualify it and take it to the next level and say oh. in the press release, this is basic research. But if mm. you know the research continues, okay. then it's gonna you know make the early onset of Alzheimer's, you know, less for people who Mm -hmm. get it, you know. Right. Yeah. Because it all has to start at a basic level. I mean, you know, and, and, but everybody has their egos also. So (laughs) I'm, you know, that's, that's probably, that was one of the the challenges that I always had was, you know, people always thought, well, my story is the greatest thing in the world. And of course to them, it was the greatest thing in the world, but, but, you know, telling them, okay, it's great to you. It's great to your family. It's great to your research fellows, but uh, maybe not to everybody else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, of course, the, the other problem that I always faced with public relations, people would say, I want this story. I want it run on X date and I want it run, you know, and I would look at them and I'd smile sweetly and I'd say, well, that's an advertisement um, because public relations really, in a lot of ways, you were at the whim of not only the media, but what else is going on in the world? Right. Um, you know, and, and that was kind of a challenge to me. I mean, one of the, the problems we had one time, uh, I was working for, this was back when I was working for the American Cancer Society, and we had a big event, which one of the major television stations was our sponsor. They had done fabulous promoting in advance. You know, we had a different doc on every day who talked about a different type of cancer, different prevention, you know, all sorts of various things. They had done some fabulous things. The day of the event, which, you know, we had thought we're going to have a lot of coverage. Well, Operation Desert Storm started and war kind of trumped anything that we were doing. And I remember somebody that I worked with there screaming at me because the story didn't run. And he really didn't grasp the fact that war trumped, you know, trumped what we were doing. But that was where I'm I'm guessing for you it kind of helps also to have a multitude of different places that you're putting things in. Yeah, we um we're in sort of a unique situation here in Columbia. We have obviously the School of Journalism here at mm-hmm. the University of Missouri, which is it constantly ranks the top in the nation. Um, So we have a lot of student journalists here Ah. in Columbia, and um, the school actually lends professors to the local um, newspaper. Um, We also have um, the NBC affiliate here in Columbia is actually a proving ground for broadcast journalists. So there are a lot of student broadcast um, journalists there. And then, you know, we have the NPR affiliate. So we have radio, we have TV, we have print, um, Mm -hmm. all here in Columbia. And 
a lot of times um, our stories um, that come out of the, the university, um, they'll cover the research stories that we put out there in, in press, but mm -hmm. they're also dealing with a lot of issues, and they, they, mm -hmm. they highlight the issues that are going on at the university. We're in a big fishbowl here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, like you said, the, the stories that we're promoting that are good, feel-good stories often get trumped by issues that are happening at the at the university as well. So mm -hmm. we 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 do get pushed to the back burner a little, um, you know, if something trumps us here. Um, so you know, we're we're looking to get the local coverage as well, but our our main focus is on national coverage anyway. So mm -hmm. we're we're sort of, you know, I guess beholden to the news cycle as well. Um mm -hmm. But we, we generally, you know, since the stories that we have aren't, you know, politics or, right. you know, that kind of thing, a lot of times we'll still get placements, even if there is a big story out nationally. Mm -hmm. So Well, and the nice thing is they're, not, they're also not exactly timely. Uh, you know, yeah. if, if it waits a week, then it can wait a week and go out yeah. and, and yeah. you know, and, and some things like that. And and if anything, sometimes you might have a better story sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you wait till the news, the 24 hour news cycle has died mm -hmm. down a little bit and then issue the press release. You know, we, we do, you know, take notice of what's going on nationally before we right. get it out there. Oh, yeah. You know, and and you you do sometimes just have to say, OK, we're going to wait a while, uh, yeah. you know, and, and but that's one of the, the tricks of public relations is to know when to put things out and when not to put things out and, and to kind of develop your own little editorial calendar. So, yeah. you know, you know, hey, you know, we want to put stuff out about seeds in, say, the spring right. when everybody's thinking about planting or, you know, some things like that. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Well, you know, Jeff, one of the things that just absolutely and totally blew me away was when you sent me your list of uh, the press releases and the tracking and, and all of that since uh, June of 2014, which is less than a year ago. And I started to print it, and then luckily I looked because it was 56 pages long. Yes. I mean, you when do you sleep? <laughs> We um it's it's good. We try to as a team, we try to have at least two press releases in the pipeline for each week. Um mm -hmm. because of the the way that we the style that we write the press releases in, we do get a lot of national coverage. Um mm -hmm. last year I believe um we did we had something like sixteen thousand national and international placements as a team. Wow. Um, this year, I had a really great story that went at the very beginning of the fiscal year in July, and that one alone garnered 4,600 placements. Wow. So, um, so we're sort of riding the wave and, um, and building those relationships with the people that are tuned in to what's coming out of the University of Missouri mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably, I mean, it's the the way that our team has been working this whole year is really going to set us up for future placements in, in, the, in the coming years too. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're pushing out the press releases and talking about the University of Missouri and the great research that's going on. Um, it, we're front of mind. Um, mm -hmm. So 
it's not that we're getting like, you know, quantity out there, but quality. And right. we're talking about really good things that are relevant to people um, who are planting tomatoes this weekend or people mm -hmm. who have, you know, relatives who are suffering from Parkinson's disease or, mm -hmm. um, you know, education issues, um, you know, changes in curriculum that are going to help your kids. We're looking for those stories that are accessible, that people can relate to, that that people can say, oh, this is good research coming out of, you know, the heartland of the country. And so mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, we're just building up that reputation and taking it nationally. Right. Well, walk us through the process start to finish. I mean, do do they come, you know, does does a professor come to you and say, hey, you know, I just did such and such, or do you attend uh, department meetings? How yeah. do you even know what's happening? A little bit of both. Um, because of the, the, the national attention that we're bringing, we are, um, we do have a lot of professors who are just coming and saying, hey, can you help us out? Right. Um, so that word of mouth kind of advertising is helping a lot. Um, we do um, subscribe to a couple of databases where we can mm -hmm. actually go in and search on keywords and mm -hmm. find those um, peer-reviewed publications that have just come out. Um, okay. Generally, we try to, to keep it to within like three months. Anything that's mm -hmm. three months or older is not news. Okay. So um, it's not going to get as far as um, uh, publications that have just been, you know, recently been out there. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, too, Deb, what we try to do is um, if, if we know that the publication is embargoed for a certain mm -hmm. date, we'll go right. ahead and get the press release ready and actually mm -hmm. pre-pitch it to major outlets. So. Mm -hmm you know, the Huffington Post and the Washington Post and the New York Times, we might send it to a couple of science writers there and say, hey, just giving you a heads up, this is going to be pretty, you know, phenomenal when it gets out there. And as soon as that embargo lifts, the the article is ready to go and it makes, you know, below the fold in the Times, you know. Mm -hmm. So right. we try to do it that way some when we have the heads up. Um, and then, just like you said, going and, and pressing the flesh and, you know, shaking hands at department meetings and, and getting in on faculty meetings and being, you know, visible to the faculty helps us as well. Like I said, it's 35,000 students and mm -hmm. 2,500 faculty and and we're, you know, we can't be everywhere at once. Right. So, mm -hmm. um so it's a big task, but you know, like I said, we're our reputation is uh, out there, and they know that we can help them, and you know, get good placements for them too. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I would imagine that more and more it is something like you you specifically said where they are coming to you because what's happening is they're seeing you know that 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 other department that yes. colleague that mm, competitor who right. got you know got a story placed so yes. they want to make sure that their story is placed. Also. That's right. That's right. And um, a lot of times I'll even encourage that you know. It, mm -hmm. um, 
we close the loop at the end of the, the whole process from the interview to the issuing of the press release to the tracking at the end of the, you know, generally about four to six weeks out, we close mm -hmm. the loop and we share all of the placements that we've had with the faculty member. And then, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the email that I send to them, I'll say, hey, talk us up, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. right, let your right. colleagues know that we were here to help. Mm -hmm. Well, now, one of the things you mentioned is media training. You know, these these professors, for the most part, are used to getting in front of class and speaking. So it's not that they're, you know, not somebody who, who can get in front of people and speak, but media training is very different. So how do you work with a professor to, to really get them camera or interview ready? Well, generally we'll take it and we'll mold it around whatever publication they have out at that time. And, and, mm -hmm. We'll help them develop the two or three main points that they want to get out there about their research. And then okay. we'll just get, do mock interviews, um, mm -hmm. talk to them like, you know, a reporter would. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times that involves stopping during the middle and saying, hey, that's a little bit too sciencey. That's a little bit right. too jargony. Um, can we simplify that and still be true to what your research is saying? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, you know, professors and researchers are a little hesitant and a little shy about getting their research out there because mm -hmm. they know they've seen it happen. And on the other side, reporters can get it a little bit too simple or they mm -hmm. they may skew what the research is saying a bit. And mm -hmm. um, and they're not being true to what the findings were. So we have to sort of counsel on that portion, that portion of it too. And, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of times I've had, you know, a couple of stories that have gotten out there where the reporter got it wrong. And mm -hmm. so I've called them or I've emailed them and said, you didn't get it right. Let's, let's mm -hmm. change this sentence or let's, and, right. you know, they're good about doing that. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they're in the business to give accurate information. Right. Have you ever dealt with, and, and I've dealt with this, so it's, you know, it's, it's always one of those challenges, an interview that goes wrong, you know, so somebody who had, say, a personal agenda, and they just take it off in a totally different direction from what you had intended? Fortunately, no, I've not had to deal with that, but there have been cases in the news bureau. We've got, we've got professionals who've been there who have been there 25, 26 years. Mm -hmm. Um, in this, and they've seen it and watched, you know, watched it and helped cultivate the growth of what mm -hmm. we do. Um, and yeah, there are those horror stories out there where, you know, the interview went south or, you know, like I said, there, we have student reporters here who are mm -hmm. looking to make names for themselves. Right. And so mm -hmm. they may do a little bit of that gotcha journalism. Um, and we have to deal with the after effects of that. Um, fortunately it was a, re the, the story that I heard was a researcher who is prolific and she's doing wonderful research in autism. And, um, she, after she was shell shocked about what happened with her mm -hmm. story, um, she, you know, shot away from us for a little while, but we've actually got her back in the fold now and mm -hmm. we're doing great stuff. So with her. Right. 
Well, and we discovered that it was all in the preparation. You know, if we had somebody very well prepared, they could deal with that. Uh, you yeah. know, the the one time where we had an interview that started to go south, the the person who was being interviewed, you know, she she didn't cut off the the reporter because she knew that would only cause problems. So she let them kind of vent. Right. And then she said, you know, I certainly appreciate your feelings, but we're here to talk about. And she took it right back to, to the subject matter. And that's exactly um, what we say. Yeah. We say there's, you know, um, we call it home base. <laughs> mm-hmm. you have right. to, if, if the interview gets outside of home base, you have to have a, a phrase or a point or mm-hmm. some type of, you know, thing that you want to get out there that you always bring it back to. And, mm-hmm. and generally that's a good working kind of strategy for people who are experiencing like a, a bad interview, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you know, it can even just be something where you get off topic, uh, you know, and, and you just want to bring it back to why yeah. you were there, you know, and, and I think that's what's important for our listeners because we do have a lot of small business owners who listen to this program who might be interviewed by their local newspaper or something. And, you know, I tell them, sit down, write down, the points that you want to make sure that you get across, you know, because in the, the, the heat of the moment, the excitement of the interview, all of that, well, you can forget that, you know, you had three points and, and all of a sudden you're thinking, I only have one. So write it down yeah. and, and, you know, practice it with somebody. That's right. And practice is the best part. I mean, mm-hmm. um, because, and, and, and I would suggest that when you do practice it, Make sure you've got somebody who's going to be brutally honest and right. tell you, oh, no, that's not right, or you shouldn't say that. If you're fortunate enough to have two or three newspapers or two or three reporters or a blogger and two reporters reach out to you, having those three main points is so important because then you're having a consistent message get out there mm-hmm. in different outlets, too. Right. You want to make sure that you're saying the same thing, that the same messages are getting out there, no matter who reads it or where they read it. You know? mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, if you've got, say, three reporters covering it, they're all going to have a slightly different take on it. So by having that home base, like you mentioned, that that will get that story out there the way you want it. Exactly. And that's what we found um, in, you know, some of the more um, – I guess, successful press releases that I've gotten out there is that we always try to coach the professor and say, these are the things you want to get out there. And then when you, when you're, you know, successful and you're privileged enough to, to go out there and read those articles in the times or the Washington post or um, BBC, then you can look at it and say, oh, oh my gosh, it's the same mm-hmm. point in everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody's seeing the same thing. Everybody's hearing the same thing. Um, and that's what, you know, that consistent message is what you want to get out there. Right. Well, and I'm sure you also filter, that might not be the word that I want to use, but that's the one that's coming to mind right now, the, the interview process. So if, say, it's a reporter that you know might be more controversial or, you know, something like that, you can decline the interview yeah. or, you know, some things yeah. like that. And, and you know, we, we had to do that in the past, too, with some of the clients I had where we knew that that reporter, that media person – there was nothing that was going to go right. And so it was better just to say, 
we're sorry, we're not going to do the interview. And then, you know, there's always fallout from that. You get the, they refused comment type of things. But, you know, that's kind of what happens sometimes. Our, um, our marketing and communications office at the university is um, doing, we're we're undergoing some structural changes. Mm, um, mm -hmm. And our name is not going to be the news bureau anymore. We're going to be Mizzou News. And the reason that we kind of tweaked our, our titles a little bit, I'm the research news strategist, mm-hmm. is because that's what I do. I'm helping the professor strategize about the best way to get their mm-hmm. information out there. And sometimes that involves playing the point guard and making sure that we get the quality type of of media and reporters mm-hmm. and interviews out there. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've actually declined interviews before only because we knew that that writer or that broadcaster had an agenda mm-hmm. and we right. didn't want to be subject to his agenda, you know? Right. So yeah, it's a strategy. Um, and sometimes you have to say, you know what? Thank you, but no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. You know, and, and I think that's something that, is is hard for people to understand is that it, it, it you know there's that old saying you know anything in the news about you is is you know any pr is good pr well no, no. it's not no. um you know things can go south i remember one of the times where i was working for the american cancer society there was a reporter with one of the the local tv stations and she she was an investigative reporter you know and and she was very good at what she did and but if she called, you thought, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> because that yeah. meant she was investigating you. And and she actually really was very very good at what she did. She you know it was not sensationalized. You know she researched things far in advance. And and she called and and she found an issue with what I you know, what was happening at the American Cancer Society. And I you know I didn't duck her call you know because that would have been bad. But yeah. I I took you know lots of notes. And then of course the first thing I said was. I'm not going to respond because I want to have the information correct before I respond to you. Right. And and I said, you know, what's your deadline? You know, all of these various things. So more than anything, I was showing her that I took her very seriously. And, you know, and, and so she said, you know, call me back at X time. And so then I, you know, danger, danger, you know, went running through the halls. Right, <laughs> right. And, and but then we immediately fixed the problem. I mean, because she had found a situation. And so I called her back and I said, you know, yes, you were right. Here are the steps that we have taken to fix it. We have set up an interview with our CEO, if you would like to come and talk with him, yada, yada, yada. And she said the best words I could ever hear. It's not a story any longer. And, you know, and I think that really was something because, you know, I could just as easily, I mean, my first inclination when she said who she was was to hang up the phone. (laughs) And, but that's where knowing the reporter comes in and and what you do is so invaluable because you do your research on these reporters you know you know what they're going to be asking about and and kind of the strategies and things that they're looking for yeah and that that helps with your credibility as well if i mm-hmm. can point to a story that a, a a reporter did in june of 2013 and i can say mm-hmm. hey i really enjoyed that story and i think right. this will help you know, help you take that to the next level or help you, you can help us tell that story in a different way. Um, it, it, it adds to your credibility. In your case, when you were talking about your issues management, basically, 
Um, that in, that also increases your credibility with the community too, because they say, you know what, they made a mistake, they fixed the mistake, and they're owning up to it. Mm-hmm. And I think in today's social media-driven world where that stuff goes like wildfire, right? the best thing you can do is say, hey, we messed up and we mm-hmm. fixed it. Um, right. And that only, you know, it, it it helps people to see that, one, you're um, – you know, you're human, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, right. we made a mistake, we fixed it, we're moving on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And two, it, 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 it gives you credibility. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the, 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 your audience and the people who know the story are saying, Hey, you know what? They're going to be better down the road. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's just what we're all trying to do. <laughs> I mean, right. Well, and, you know, it's the same way where we used to do, you know, and and we still do this with, you know, with the media, if if we've done something wrong. And, you know, you go back and you say, okay, here's how we're going to fix it. And you do the follow up stories and, you know, all of those things. And, and, you know, usually or unfortunately, you know, sometimes what happens is the front page story becomes, you know, the little little blurb on the back page. But it still got fixed, um, you know, and, and we always found that then the reporters definitely valued us more also. You know, it comes back to what you were saying. It's that credibility thing. And the relationships that you're building with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, they're trying – one of the things that we always had sometimes difficulty explaining to our clients was the reporter is just doing a job. You know, they they want the best story, which sometimes does mean it might be a little sensationalized. But if they are a good – reputable ethical reporter they're going to do their job the right way and you know and and they want a good story and you know and and we have had them say you know it's not really a story and you know pitch it to somebody else or you know gee if you're not going to discuss the the you know what we were really calling about we don't want to talk to you but yeah they that's that's just how they make their living yeah yeah I think one of the hardest things I had to learn in this new job was um a lot of times the story is going to be very accurate and it's going to be mm-hmm. well written and it's going to tell, you know, your story in a, if, you know, an effective and clear way. A lot of times, though, those headlines that they put on, them, mm-hmm. I get so oh. disappointed sometimes because the headlines are meant to grab the audience. Right. I get that. But mm-hmm. sometimes I have to just kind of shake my head at it. But mm-hmm. um, that was one of the, the the biggest things I had to learn about accuracy and making sure that the story was right is that the story is probably just dead on, but mm-hmm. the editor has changed the headline so that it grabs right. attention, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes through multiple levels now. You know, you've yeah. got the reporter that you worked with, but then it's an editor, it's a news desk editor, it's, you know, it's it's whoever, right. the social media editor, you know, yeah. whoever it is, right. they they do want the eyeballs yeah. to the, the story. Yeah. And so they're going to have a title that may or may not be correct just to, to be able to get people to pay attention exactly. to it. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things you mentioned was social media, you know, and, and this is a program about social media. Have you found, you know, now I, I'm I'm assuming that, you know, because it's a university and, and there's not, you know, not tons of things that people are critiquing, but have you found that social media just with the general public has made your life easier? And then we'll talk later about social media as it pertains to reporters. We, um, 
we have, I mean, you guys have a Facebook page. So tell us the, the address of the Facebook page. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh-oh. I'll open it. It's okay. I've got it. It is. Um, Facebook.com slash. Research, research News at Mizzou. There you go. That's our, <laughs> that's our News Bureau Facebook mm-hmm. page. Each one of the departments, a lot of the departments at Missouri, at the University of Missouri have their own Facebook pages that they push out information about their departments to their constituents and alum and that kind of thing. And then the University of Missouri has a main um, uh, Facebook page and Twitter account and all of that. The News Bureau, we we use ours basically to promote our press releases. Right. Um, And we push those out to the people who subscribe to Facebook. We have... um, I want to say somewhere around 700 Facebook friends, but we have 30,000 Twitter followers. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, you know, those 120 characters are, you know, real estate for us. We have to get that Mm -hmm. information out to those folks. Um, But generally we use uh, social media to push the information out, not to interact with our constituents or people who are following us very, you know, a lot. Um, we're just happy that it shows up in their Facebook feed and they Mm -hmm. can like click through and, and actually read the story. Um, I think a lot of our Twitter followers are reporters. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we do have a subscription kind of thing where they can come in and, and subscribe to our um, press releases and they get those in their email box as soon as they go out. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and you know, I think that's the, Social media is still the place where you know, we're, we're kind of exploring from a media perspective. Yeah. Uh, when I still lived in Denver, I had one of the major news editors that, you know, somebody that I had dealt with for many years that, you know, you, you either picked up the phone or you popped them an email and said, you know, hey, here's this story, yada, yada, yada. She actually said that she was going to have a new policy where you had to send her a tweet and if you couldn't pitch that story in 120 characters, she didn't want to hear it. And, you know, that just blew us away. That was back when Twitter was still really pretty new. And I honestly don't know if, if that is still the policy. I'm guessing not. You know, I, I think it's probably gone back to, gee, it needs to be a little bit more personal. But part of her point was she gets hundreds of stories pitched to her every day. So you had better be able to be brief and succinct about it. Yeah, I think um, we do it old school. Um, we either pick up the phone or we send an email. But I think that what helps us in that regard is that we've already established our credibility to some point so mm-hmm. that when they see an email come across from me, they know that it's quality. They know that mm-hmm. it's something that they might want to to open up and cover. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, it's that relationship kind of thing more than um, – the delivery method. Um, mm-hmm. The only re- I, I have an, um, a Twitter account that I use for work, and mm-hmm. I generally just look at it and, and subscribe to people who are reporters or who, who are in the media so that I can keep track of what they're covering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that I use it to communicate as much. Um, and then, you know, if I do get, like, high-level placements, then I'll tweet those out. And, you know, generally they'll get retweeted or people will send them to somebody right. else, that kind of thing. We're not really using that as a a, a gauge for how well mm-hmm. we're doing. It's just more of a way to get the information out about what we're doing. Um, right. 
Well, and getting it out in as many places as possible. I mean, yeah. you know, that's always yeah, been yeah. the goal is to get it out there as much as you can. Right, right. Well, and I would envision, too, that it does vary from department to department. Um, you know, I interviewed someone from the University of Colorado Athletic Department who was in charge of all of their social media. And just for the athletic department, they had over a 100 social media accounts. Um, you know, now that counted coaches and, you know, all the, the various things like that. But that really is their primary place to, to be able to, to reach people. But that's because the people they need to reach, that's where they are. Yeah, um, I think you, you know, have and, to consider who's your audience, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, in athletics case, um, obviously we have, we, we have a huge athletics department as well. And they're, they're communicating with their fans. They're communicating with their mm-hmm. potential donors. They're compete, you know, it, it's right. a different type of audience that they're looking mm-hmm. for. Whereas, you know, we're looking for somebody to help us get our message out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different, I guess you have to sort of consider who you're, who you're communicating with. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that's important to remember, and and whether you're, you know, trying to get your message out there for business or, you know, whatever, you still have to use multiple ways. You know, the the things that I read still come pretty much in my email, uh, you know, or, or things like that. And there's certainly reasons why there are still print publications. You know, it's, I'm, I'm definitely of the generation where I grew up reading newspapers and to see the decline of newspapers has kind of pained me. But now you see these very specialized publications and I I actually like those in in many ways so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We, we have a lot of cross pollination at our school. Mm -hmm. Um, And by that, I mean, we have our web communications folks and then print pieces and we, we, generally supply a lot of those research type stories to them as well. So the the information that we send out is not only picked up by the the reporters that we're targeting, mm-hmm. but it's also picked up by people who need to get at the school, who need to get that information out to their potential donors, to their right. alum mm-hmm. and that kind of thing too. So I can see where where your message about getting it out in different ways um, not only applies to social media like Facebook and websites and Twitter, but it generally does get back to that more traditional type of of communications too, either Mm -hmm. newspaper print or magazines or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and and of course, you're also trying to reach, you know, you you mentioned donors and and alumni, but then there's the opposite side of the spectrum. You're trying to convince students and their parents that this is the place that that they need to be. And they do use that that type of information for um, potential students, um, admissions, that kind of thing, too. Um, Anything that you can do to help elevate your reputation um, by showing that, it's, you know, one, a quality school, and then two, that we're actually contributing to society, we're actually contributing to the community, um, goes a long way with helping mm-hmm. to, and I, I, you know, I think that probably has um, an effect on, you know, admissions growth and that kind of thing, too. Um, you know, maybe not the students looking at it so much, but definitely the parents, you know, mm-hmm. and right. they well, the parents are thinking they're investing in, in that education. They want those kids to get something out of and it. And they want to be a part of something that's successful, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, you know, Jeff, we've talked a lot about the fact that you work with a variety of different departments. Now, you probably can't say what your favorite is, <laughs> but what have been some of your favorite stories that, that you have worked on? Um, I, I have a really good beat because um, the stuff that I work on is pretty accessible. It's science, kind of geeky, nerdy kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so I try to generally bring it down and, and make it accessible. Um, I do a lot of work with the geology department, um, talking mm -hmm. about fossils and how fossils can help um, determine what's going on with climate change. Um, I, I work with um, the College of Arts and Science, so that's a lot of the humanities, a lot of the psychology mm -hmm. stories. Um, you know, psychology is just accessible anyway. And mm -hmm. any kind of research that comes out of there that's dealing with um, whether or not you're happy or depression or how Facebook helps your um, um, self-image or helps hurt it, um, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and then engineering, I work with uh, the folks there. Um, so gadgets and technology is pretty accessible. And then anything in life sciences. Um, we're doing great work in HIV research, in mm -hmm. Parkinson's research, Alzheimer's. We've got some rock stars who are um, just cranking out publications that I help, you know, them talk about. Cool. And then, um, again, you know, like the plant sciences stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we've got one researcher in particular who um, has done some work this year or published some work this year on um, caterpillars and how plants <laughs> can actually tell what what's eating them, be it some, you know, mm. a caterpillar that's munching or an mm -hmm. aphid that's actually sticking a needle kind of nose kind of ah. in it. They can mm -hmm. actually defend and help, you know, ward off right. the, 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 the type of insect that's eating them. So mm -hmm. that went completely nuts this year um, right. because it's stuff that's accessible. It's stuff that, you know, I don't know about you, but I have like a million different ways that information is coming at me every day. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's not all that great. So the mm -hmm. stuff that I can report out there is that it, when it shows up in your Facebook feed or on your Twitter account or in social media somewhere, it's something that you can sort of take a break from the bad stuff and actually mm -hmm. say, oh, this is something good that's going on for a Right. So right. I, I feel like I can help do that. If, if, it, if I can help get that word out there, that it's sort of a break you know, from mm -hmm. the bad stuff. So. Well, and to me, what's cool about what you do is it changes so much every day. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at your Facebook page, and, and these were some posts back in February. And so one, one title is, Mucus is retained in cystic fibrosis patient cells leads to potentially deadly infections. Then the next one is, Individuals with type 2 diabetes should exercise after dinner. And then I love this one. Many would rather buy generic clothes than stand out with designer brands. Yeah. You know, and I just love that. I love, you know, the fact that it changes. You know, I when I worked for an agency, I had people that said, well, doesn't that drive you nuts? And I said, oh, no. It, it, in, in many ways, it made me more creative right. because it was continually changing. And it goes back to that thing that I said before. If you can explain it to somebody over dinner – then mm -hmm. that makes you a better storyteller. It, makes you right. a better, it helps you to 
actually synthesize what's going on and get it out there in a different way. And mm-hmm. by the way, those three stories, those were all my colleagues. Um, cool. And so we all get to do different things. We all get mm-hmm. to learn about, you know, great stuff every day. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a lot of fun. Right. Well, you know, Jeff, we've got just a couple minutes left. And I do have to tell people how you and I actually know each other because this is just the coolest thing. So, you know, we, we've, never, we've never met as colleagues. Um, you know, obviously I, I have a lot of ties still with the University of Colorado. Um, and, you know, I didn't even know that you worked for the University of Missouri. But we met through dogs, right. through the dog show world. Yes. And... That's where you've used social media quite a bit. And, of course, that's where I use it quite a bit, too. But tell us what dog you're most uh, most affiliated with right now, because I think people will think this is very cool. Um, I was part of the team that helped um, campaign Miss P, the Westminster winner, the, the people who won Westminster this year. Um, and you know, and basically, I'm just a cheerleader. I mean. I know you're you're, you're kind of like me. I'm I'm the designated holder. That's, that's me too. Um, but I totally fell in love with her, and she is just the greatest thing. Um, except for the two dogs that we have here. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. Our our favorites are always the ones that are home with that's us. That's right. Um, you know, and it was so funny because, of course, after she won. All these people, I, I had to get a kick out of it. You know, they they come up to me at a networking event or something, and they would say, "Hey, did you see that a beagle won Westminster?" Yeah. And I I was always good. I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't. I said yes. And then they would say, "And do you know her?" And I would say, "Yes, she won our national that I was very closely tied with uh, the the year before." And you know, and then I told him, I said, "You know, and, and the the coolest thing about all of that were the people that were part of that team." I said, "You know, sometimes you see some of these big winners, and it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to those people, yeah. but you know, everybody that has been involved with her, they're you know, you guys are just all such super people." Well, it's kind of fun. We get to see it from a different angle when people mm-hmm. come up to us and say, hey, do you know the beagle that won? <laughs> we sort of have to shake our head a little and go, well, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Um, Just slightly. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. And, you know, getting back to social media, this was a totally different campaign um, mm-hmm. where, you know, you see pictures of her pop up in your feed like every mm-hmm. weekend. Right. Um, so it was it was fun to watch it from that perspective, too. Um, mm-hmm. just to see how people were reacting. Um, and it was all generally good stuff. So, oh yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, as with anything like that, you're going to have the, the people that, that say something negative, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was so cool and, and to be able to do that, but yeah, I would imagine when people asked you, so did you know that a Beagle won Westminster? I've actually like, you know, hung out with her for some day, yeah. you know, she's been in my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool, cool. Well, Jeff, this has been absolutely fabulous. This is is very cool. And like I said at the start of the program, it was very different from what we normally talk about. But I like that, Anike. Just like you get to work with all these different things with what you do, I like to be able to to vary things also. So one last time, tell people how they find out about what you do online. Um, (laughs) Missouri.edu. Cool. Great, great. You know, and, and I look forward to seeing more posts about, uh, you know, I have liked the page, of course, on thank Facebook. You. And so I look forward to seeing more there. Um, and again, Jeff, thank you very much. Thank you.
Great, great. Well, this has been Deb Creer talking with Jeb Sosaman, who is the Senior Research News Strategist for the University of Missouri News Bureau. I think that's the longest title I think I've ever had to give. And to everyone out there, thank you so much for being a part of the program and listening today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.